Welcome back, Richard. It's good to see you again. Good morning. How are you? I, I, this I'm, fine day. That, that's right. I am doing fine, and I'm. I hope you are as well. We are. Um, we're going to revisit a topic that we discussed a couple of weeks ago. Over actually, over a couple of podcasts a few weeks ago on uh, failure mm-hmm. to launch. Right. Yeah, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and um, in it, in that earlier podcast, we discussed the dimensions of the problem of failure to launch. And failure to launch is kind of the broad term for uh, early or late teenagers, uh, young adults mm-hmm. who um, don't leave their parents' home at at, time, at whatever time it was expected, either at eighteen or if they go to college, twenty two or twenty three. And the expectation is that at some point you'll leave your parents' home and strike out on your own. And some um, some teenagers, young adults, uh, fail to do that, and we call that failure to launch. Yeah. Um, and it's the it's the inability or the unwillingness to become more independent and self sufficient, self reliant. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's another aspect of this. There are several other aspects of this. Um, and we call this a, a, the transition to adulthood that we were not able to mention in that earlier podcast. And we thought, well, let's go back and talk about that because it could have really, really important implications for some families. Okay. Right. So if you or someone you know is, is facing the challenge of getting kids out of the house and on their road to independence, um, there are two other things that we would want you to remember. Um, okay. And, Many children, many young adults, let's call them young adults, are not prepared to be independent after they leave high school. And there are two extremes of of why children, two explanations of why children may not be ready. And one of them we call snowplow, snowplow parenting or lawnmower parenting, helicopter parenting, where um, everything is done for them. Um, so the parents have, have taken these children and they've helped them in school and they've helped them get jobs and they've paid for everything and everything has been done for them. And so the young adult doesn't really know how to do anything on his or her own. And so there's a lack of confidence there. Right. Nothing bad has happened. It's just a lack of confidence and competence. Right. And then there's another at the other end of the extreme are parents who do too little. Mm-hmm. And so they do nothing. So kids have to find sort of find their way on their own. And you, you sort of stumble and fumble around for a couple of years trying to decide what to do. So you have these two ext- two parenting extremes, which contribute to the problem, might, might be offered as explanations for the problem. Absolutely. And and so, you know, and you mentioned helicopter parenting and snowplow parenting and lawnmower uh, parenting. And, and basically what, what all of those are is the idea that, the parent is really preparing the way for the child in such a way that the child never encounters any obstacles. They they never really have to work to right. um, make, make any difficult decisions. They don't have to really do anything to um, you know, there's not a, lot of, uh, not a lot of adversity that they have to overcome. And right. you know, I think that one of the probably most telling things that, that contributes to this issue um, that I hear from young adults is that, you know, as they were growing up, the next decision was always made for them. 
So they, right. you know, what did you do in high school? Well, I took these classes. Well, why did you take those classes? Well, that's what I was supposed to do. Well, what did you do after after high school? Right. Well, I went to college. Well, why did you go to college? Well, that's just right. what I was supposed to do. What did you major in? Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't. I, I didn't really know what I was going to major in, but um, you know, I did this, and it was because that's what was next. And so right. once they get to an age where there's not a definitive, this is what's next in the prescription of life, uh, they really have a hard time knowing what to do. And so they get stuck. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And and what happens in those situations and, and where another place where that plays itself out is that parents will often tell their children, you don't have to do anything. Right. You're not. Your job is to go to school. Right. You're a student. So that's your job. And that's where I want you to focus. You just focus on what you have to do to get the best grades that you can get. And that message is is unfair to kids because it gives them on the one hand, it gives them permission to focus on just one thing. Right. And it also provides them with an excuse. Let's talk about permission. If you tell a child at whatever age. All you have to do is you go to school. You just focus on your schooling. We'll take care of everything else. That's not how life works. Life at every age requires you to manage several things at the same time. So if you're allowed to become a specialist at age 10, that's an unfair view of how the world really works. Children, teenagers need to learn how to manage multiple things at one time because that's what they're going to have to do as an exalt as an adult that, the absolutely. second thing it gives them well but i i think that the this the other important part of this is and again relating it back to the, the helicopter or lawnmower snowplow parenting is that if your only job is to do school again it right. avoids any um avoids the ch- child's life of any obstacles for them outside of school and so that's right they don't have to deal with these other issues because all they have to do is focus on school and and like you Mm -hmm. said it's it's not really fair to the child from a developmental perspective because the child doesn't have the opportunity to experience other things um and and so you you either you do school and then you have fun those are the only things that you have in your life and that's like you said that's that's just not what life is really like yeah, it would be a pretty impoverished existence if all you did was go to school, do homework, and play video games, or be on your computer or your devices. Okay? And right. if that's all you do, you're going to be developmentally stunted. And that's what we're finding, Absolutely. is that so many kids, yeah, they might be really good students, but they can't do anything else. They have no resources to do anything else. So they get to adulthood, and they start to fall apart because of, I, don't, I hate adulting. They call it adulting because adulting is, is much more complex. You have right. many more, many more uh, responsibilities. Yeah, so I, I, it well, gives I like them permission. Use, I, well, I like that, the, that you use the phrase developmentally stunted because when we think about that stunting, what it really is in is in the area of social-emotional development. Mm-hmm. Um if you if you think about right. a lot of these young adults who have difficulty, you know, moving into adulthood, the difficulty really, really at you know one of the main roots at least uh, of their difficulty is social emotional development. 
they can't interact right. with other people. Mm-hmm. So what do we hear from a lot of these individuals? They just can't handle the social pressures of the workplace or right. college or some of these other uh, things that they are dealing with. And, and it, it's because they have been so um, confined in so many ways that they don't have those opportunities. Right. That's right. And then, so number one, they have permission to focus on one thing, but also parents inadvertently give uh, the children a built-in excuse. Right. So no matter no matter what you're asked, the child can always resort to, well, uh, no, I can't do the dishes. I have too much homework tonight. Right. No, I can't go to grandma's this weekend because I have a project due. So, you know, your parents put themselves in this very precarious position of giving kids permission to focus and an excuse so the child can use I have too much work to do to avoid any other tasks. All right. So we want to be careful that we're not neglectful, that we're not snowplows, but that we also don't inadvertently give kids the idea that all they have to do is school and the rest of their time is free time. Absolutely. So so when we think about uh, those in this failure to launch um broad category. Um, th- there are sort of three subtypes, uh, if you will. Right. And, and I hate mm-hmm. thinking about people in, you know, these little silos of different subtypes, but they, you know, when you look at the propensity or the the characteristics associated with those who are, who tend to have difficulty moving on into adulthood, they tend to fall into one of three categories. And, mm-hmm. um, the first category that we'll talk about is one that we're just referring to as the on their way category. And, and those, those are those um, young adults, those guys who graduated high school. Um, they, they're in college. Uh, they may even have a job. They, they participate at home. Uh, they're, they're still living at home. They're still living right. with their parents, but they are cooperative and they are willing to collaborate with and work with their parents. So they're on their way to moving out, but they're just still sort of stuck at home. Right. And they're, they're, they're probably going to be okay. They're probably going to move out eventually right. because they're doing the four things that we want them to do. They're engaged, job or college. They assist with tasks around the house cooperative and they'll collaborate to solve problems so so they're probably going to be okay right. but the second group yeah is is probably going to be okay but it's going to be a much slower transition and it may require a lot more from the parents right yeah and so for these this category these are uh individuals mm-hmm. who when it comes to a, a job or, or college they may be doing it part-time. They're at least considering going to college or getting a job. Right. So, so it's sort of emerging, if you will, um, but, right. or it's part-time, but it's not as a, um, it's not a main focus at, yet. It's something right. that's right. coming along. Um, as it relates to housework and stuff, it's, you, you know, on and off again, um, they have to be really pressed it to to really participate in in some of the housework and house cleaning and stuff and then when right, it comes right. to just being cooperative and collaborating again there's some issues um they may be somewhat cooperative but they still have a bit of an attitude sometimes or they may kind of push back a little bit and again that that collaborativeness right. is just not quite there yet. They they are resistant. They want to really focus on their own things, and they have a hard time 
really connecting and engaging and really be, be, being an active participant in the family, even though they're still living at home. Yeah, these are the young adults who aren't quite committed to work or college, that they're working part-time. Um, but they're, they're, they're the ones who say, well, I'm 18, I don't have to do that, or I can come in whenever I want, I shouldn't have any rules. Uh, this isn't, I'm, I, I'm going to treat my, this is my room. You can't tell me how to, what, that I have to clean it. Um, they don't really take responsibility. They, they're not really integrated into the family, into taking care of the house and taking care of, you know, cleaning and doing dishes and helping out. And they're just a little bit prickly. They, they argue with their parents and there, there's more resistance and they're, they're not out of the house, but they're not integrated into the house. And this is going to take a little bit more work here. Here, you're going to have to have a plan for how you want to move these kids to that next level. Yeah, I, I think that the thing to think about with this group is that they're they're sort of independent. They're just not um, they're not on their own, but they just want to do their thing. And and it's not That's like right. um, in contrast to the next group that we're going to talk about, which is the much more concerning mm -hmm. group. Um, this group they want to do what they want to do and they're not really complaining right. about, you know, well, he, this is an excuse for why I can't do it. I, it's not that I'm, he, they're anxious or they're depressed or any of those kind of things. It's just that you can't make me do it. I'm 18 years old. Um, I'm yeah. an adult. I can yeah. come, come and go when I want to. Um, these individuals are probably driving. They're probably doing a lot of these things on their own and in, in, in going out. Um, but they're just not cooperative. Um, that's right. The third, that's right. and they make money. Yeah, yeah, they make three or four, two or three hundred dollars a week, and they say, "Well, that's my money, and right. I can do whatever I want to do with that." In the meantime, the parents are paying for everything: cell right. phones and gasoline and car insurance. So the parents are still subsidizing; they're still paying the bills. But and the kid is saying, "Well, no, this is my money. I I can do whatever I want. This is my spending money." Right? So they're they're sort of halfway between completely being completely needy and beginning that journey to get out of the house. Absolutely. In contrast to the third group, and as you said, this is the group that we're concerned about. Right, and, and this group we'll just refer to as the intractable group. This, And this is a group that, you know, of, of the four areas that we're talking about, you know, having a, having a job or going to college, helping out with, with house cleaning and, you know, things in the home, just their willingness to be cooperative and collaborate with everyone right. else. The answer to all of those is basically no. Um, they they don't right. have a job. They don't work. They don't go to school, and they're unwilling to even consider. Many times, they're even unwilling to consider doing any of those things. There, there's and maybe as opposed to the last group who you know will will put out applications and say they just can't find the right job. This group tends to say, "Well, I just can't." do it. I, I can't have a job because of their anxiety or because of their depression. And we're not saying that they don't have those problems. What we're saying is, is that those problems or those issues, you know, interfere with their ability to move on and, and make some of those decisions. That's so, right. These are youngsters who, who simply can't. They want to stay in their bedrooms. They're just completely ill-equipped to do any, and they don't want to clean. They don't want to take care of the house. They're, 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 they have a nasty attitude when they are asked to do anything. So these are these are formidable challenges for any parent with a child who's in that particular 
uh, place where there it's just there's just no place to create movement. Right. And and re- okay, now, we hear the argument from them that, well, this is mine because I'm 18 or because I'm an adult. You don't you don't really hear that type of argument from them. Rather, no. it's the argument of because of their anxiety or because of their depression or because they can't handle this situation or that situation because of a panic attack or something like that. Um, So it's oftentimes um, the, the rationale or the reasons are often attributed to mental health issues as opposed to, you know, being independent and being an, you know, an adult and can't be controlled type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that second group, you hear things like, I shouldn't have to, or I don't want to, or why, you know, I shouldn't have to do these things. In this third group, you hear, I can't, right. I, I, I'm, I'm stuck. And I, I, you hear, I can't much more often. Right. right. Um, so then why does this happen? Um, you know, why, why do some kids, why do some youngsters fail to launch, uh, fail to move on? And there's a couple of, first of all, they're too comfortable. Okay. Parents, parents have created this little nest and everything is still being done for them. And there's really no need to move. I mean, why would you move out of this very comfortable um, existence where all you have to do is play video games and dinner is made every night. And you don't, don't have to worry about your own laundry. Um, so they're too comfortable. Others, it's a safety issue. They don't feel safe outside their own home. They, they can't imagine living, living uh, in an apartment or a house uh, alone or even with a roommate because they, they need the safety and comfort of home. A third group is unprepared. They, they just haven't been prepared to tackle life without the support and structure of their parents. And, and many kids have been so carefully guarded and protected and, and nurtured that they're not able to, they can't even conceive of doing this on their own. Right. But in this third group, what you call the intractable group, that's the group that's emotionally ill-equipped to right. move on. And I think that's what we're concerned about today is, is this group that they're just emotionally unequipped to move out of the structure, support, comfort, safety of their parents' home. Absolutely. And as you said, anxiety or depression are probably the most probable causes. Absolutely. You know, when you when you think of those those first two groups, I, I like the way that you've talked about that being, you know, the comfortable, the safe and 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 just being prepared because, you know, thinking about the first group, you know, why do they why are they still at their their family's home? They, they work or you know they're making money and everything. Well, to move out of their family's home means that you're going to have to move to a smaller place perhaps with other people mm-hmm. that you don't necessarily, you know, want to live with, you know, to have roommates. Right. Um, but it's really comfortable and it's really safe with your parents. Right. Let's be honest, parents contribute to that sometimes because yeah. the, the really, you know, um, the, the, the housing that they can afford is probably not in the best neighborhood or not in a, in a great area of town. And so the parents don't want them to move there. And so they're like, well, we'll just rather stay here than move over into that area. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you talk about comfortable comfortability and, and safety and those kinds of things that that's really there, but that emotionally ill-equipped, that third group, you know, they just struggle um, you know, oftentimes they're struggling during those last few years of high school, 
Um, you know, a lot of times, especially now since since COVID and and the you know the explosion of um, virtual school options and and homeschool options, a lot of these kids end up finishing high school if they finish high school. They do so virtually or they do so through homeschooling because, you know, just getting to high school sometimes is too much for them. And so they, they have to stay. That's home. right. And, and everything, their whole their entire world becomes very, very small and um, confined for the most part to their bedroom. Um, you know, they, they, they will go into the rest of the house and everything, but they're they're only feeling safe and comfortable, if you will, um, using the same, same, same ideas just in their bedroom. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they have a really right. difficult time getting out to do anything. They just sometimes they don't even go to the store. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they've never been able to, they've never learned how to handle the broader world, whether it's school or sports or, you know, just being out in the world somewhere. And, and so they, they shrink their world to their bedroom because they can they feel that they can manage that their bedroom and online uh, relationships okay right. because they don't want to have it they don't have real relationships they have online relationships but you're right they shrink their world to a manageable size right yeah and, and those and is- virtual relationships you know are are very real to them they're very um validating for them um but right those individuals tend to be in very similar situation. And so right. you have right. this um, just perpetual motion of lack of motion, if you, if you will. It, they, they, nobody is. Yeah, right. And right. so everyone is stuck in this same position and um, they just right. tend to reinforce each other um, with this, you know, with this lifestyle. That's right. And and I, I can't stress enough that if you think about that young adult, that youngster in the bedroom online, all those online relationships are validating their decisions, right? Their, their way of doing things because they're communicating with other people who are in exactly the same situation. So it does not feel abnormal to them because right. they have all these other people, at least online people who are validating them and doing essentially the same thing. So it doesn't seem unusual to them to be uh, locked in their bedroom because everybody they're talking to is doing the same thing. So remember, they are being reinforced for this. Okay? Right. But in this group, mental illness is prop. I, it's probably contributing. I, I think here we're talking about youngsters who, who do really have clinical depression or obsessive compulsive disorder or extreme anxiety. And they're just not able. We we said earlier they're not. Uh, they they don't they don't fight with parents. They just say I can't. I I simply can't get. A, I can't go out. I can't get a job. And when you tell them, you know, you, you could work here or there or someplace else, they'll just use whatever excuse they can come up with. Like you say to a person, well, you could do this. And I say, well, no, I can't do that. My knee, I have bad knees, or I have a bad back, or I have migraine headaches, or there's some excuse. Or I can't do that. I, I can't work in it. I can't work in retail. I can't work. I don't want to work with with uh, people uh, with other people. Mm-hmm. So there's always these excuses. And then if all else fails, they simply say to their they they try to they try to blame their parents and guilt their parents 
with statements like, well, you know, I can't handle other people. I can't handle driving there. I can't handle whatever. And so they, they, they put it back on the parent too. You, you know, I can't do these things. And, and so the parent is sort of stuck. Yeah. Um, and at the same so, time, they, they, they refuse to really collaborate and cooperate with their parents. Yeah. So it's right. Yeah. It's they're like they're not going to cooperate. Right. Because they, they want their parents to continue to provide for them and, and, and in many mm -hmm. ways demand that their parents continue to give them what they need um, for, you know, to maintain right. their lives on everything. But they also want lots of privileges. You know, they, they want, um, you know, a lot of the sort of excesses of life as far as, you know, the, the newest phones and, you know, gaming consoles and computers. And they, they want that stuff because that keeps them connected with their world. Um, so they demand mm -hmm. those things from their parents, but at the same time won't cooperate when it comes to managing things at home or, you know, again, getting a job or doing something outside of the home. And so they, they get they're they're stuck there and they put their parents into this situation where, you know, the parents are providing for everything while they're not doing much outside of their room. That's right. Um, and again, it's that it's that idea that I can't mm -hmm. um, and they will do whatever they will do and say whatever they need to do not to change. Right. And these are the youngsters who, if pressed too hard, will then play the I will hurt myself card. They will use whatever they have to use to right. stay where they are. Right. Um, it really is. It's some reality testing here because they're they're going to threaten suicide. If you take if you shut them down, right. they're going to play that card. And the concern yeah. is, so is that. Yeah. If the concern is, is that some of them may, you know, harm themselves. That's right. And you don't know, mm -hmm. you can't differentiate who is saying it as a way to try to get what they want or need versus those who say it because they, they truly mean it. You know, so so when we think about these three groups, um, the first two groups are probably going to be okay. And, and they can be pressed a little bit to get right. out the door mm -hmm. and, and moving on with their life. You, you know, we, we talked about some of those strategies in the, in the previous podcast, but this third category, we have to be a little bit more cautious, a little bit more careful because right. pushing them too far, as we were just saying, can lead to, you know, significant problems, including harming themselves or, or making decisions that could, you know, really result in some, some issues uh, for their safety. Right. Yeah. So in this last group, it's absolutely essential that you're, that you need an accurate diagnosis. You, you not a diagnosis, you need an accurate diagnosis, make absolutely certain right. that you know, whether you're dealing with anxiety or depression, or whatever, right. Make sure you get an accurate diagnosis. And it's gotta and be, then you have they need to see somebody who who understands and can meet with them repeatedly because our experience is that a lot of times individuals that fall into this category they spend a lot of time online and and many times that means that they spend a lot of time with Dr. Google and with these uh, with other individuals who as you said a minute ago are really validating their symptoms and experiences and so they come into a clinician's office 
with a vernacular and a vocabulary that can be very diagnostic, but not necessarily accurately diagnostic. And so it takes some That's time right. to really tease through all of it to figure out what's really going on. And, and your, your point of emphasizing it has to be an accurate diagnosis is, is spot on. It's so critical. That's right. Um, and so get an accurate diagnosis. Um, you know, you, you talk about uh, the phrases that they use. Invariably, you're going to hear something about having uh, identity disorder. Okay. Right. Um, and most people don't have an identity disorder. Um, and you're going to hear those sort of bizarre, uh, low frequency um, conditions, you know, because, because again, they're, they're talking to each other. Right. So the second thing you have to do is you have to get, you have to have a realistic appraisal of your short term, short term and long term resources. Um, how much time you have to devote to this child and how much money do you have and how much money will you have in the future? Because it's highly unlikely that this person is going to get a job. And so you're going to be supporting them both in devoting time and money. And at some point, you're going to have to think of yourself as a caretaker right. and not just a parent. You're going to be a parent. You're going to be a caretaker. You, you, some of these children, you're not going to get them out of the house. They're not going to go to work. You're not going to get them out. They're not going to go to school. And you are going to be a caretaker in, in one way or another. You're going to be responsible for them. Yeah, you're gonna to have to look for start looking for alternatives for those things, whether it's working from home or going to school from home, but something that they can do in the setting within which they are comfortable and, and can manage. Um, but still, you know, whether they're, you know, generating some income or, or doing something to gain some support or some assistance with, with that next next. That's part. right. And finally. As difficult as it is, you're going to have to prepare yourself and prepare the the, uh, the child for a future without you, because chances are you're going to uh, die before they do, and they're going to be in a world without you. And right. so whatever plans you make for the future, you need to think about how is this going to work when I'm no longer here? Right. And you need to put that into the equation of your caretaking plan. Absolutely, and, and nobody likes to think about that kind of thing. Um, and and we, we often put it off and say, well, you know, I'm I'm only, you know, 45 or 50 years old. And so, you know, I've got time that I can take it. We never know what's going to happen. And, and not that we like to think about those things, but that's the reality. And so if, if something were to happen to you tomorrow, what is your child, your, your adult child who who can't get out of the house to do things, what is it going to happen to him or her? And, and so you you do have to think right. about that to some extent because you don't know what will happen. You you, you have to have some plans right. and some something in preparation for that. Right. And I'm sure we all know adults who continue to live with their parents. I mean, there are plenty of 50-year-olds yeah. who are still living with their parents or a parent. Um, and so it does happen. So and the, you're going to need a long-term plan. You're going to need a short-term plan. You're also going to need a long-term plan. What's life? What is life going to be when you're no longer there? Absolutely. So, so this is a very difficult and challenging topic. And, and it puts both the parent and 
the adult child in, in a really precarious and challenging position. And um, it takes a lot of consideration and work to figure out how to navigate and, and where to go and what to do. And, but, um, you know, get some help, get some assistance, talk to a therapist or a counselor or someone to help you through this mm -hmm. process. And, and don't, don't try to go at it alone. Um, you know, um, you know, tough love isn't always uh, going to be beneficial in these kind of situations. And so you need right. to work with somebody yeah, who has no place here. Yeah. Right. So, all right. Yep. Well, that, okay. That's it for this week. Nothing. <laughs> I, think delay, I think we've had a delay in our video a little bit. So um, there were a few little, few little glitches, but I, I, I think they're okay. Yeah. So yep. but hopefully everything came through good for everyone. So, um, and hopefully it'll be better next time. So until then, right. stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid. <laughs>